You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on WMR.fm, episode number 431. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is my company senior SEO, Scott Benna. Today we have a special episode for you. We are interviewing Mike Blumenthal, a lover of all things local and co-founder of Near Media. Mike has been a fixture in the local SEO realm for many years, uh, so he's a, a great interview and we've always enjoyed him having, having him on. Uh, welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, many years. It's, uh, I feel like it has been a while, hasn't it? So. <laughs> when did you start in the industry? Well, I started building localized websites in 2001. I built a content management system uh, back then and okay. uh, started writing about local in 2006 because nobody was writing about sort of the tactical aspects of local SEO. And it was through my blog that I became friends with Don Campbell, who I set up Gather Up with, and David Mim, or, and Greg Sterling, who I've set up Near Media with, and all the folks through of local that we set up Local U with, Aaron Wykey, and Mike Ramsey, and Will Scott, Mary Bowling. Those are all friendships that I developed through my original blog in 2006 through whatever. So wow. quite a while. Yeah, you've been busy. I always am like, oh, what's Mike up to now? Okay. And uh, still, believe it or not, I still monitor your blog. <laughs> I give you a rough time about that. Yeah, it's it's you, you update it when you can, right? Well, I'm actually writing at Near Media now. I just feel like I want to. One of the benefits of having partners in when you're writing is that they can help you develop your ideas more thoroughly, edit a little more thoroughly. So I, yeah. uh, while I still, you know, Blumenthal.com forward slash blog has been there forever. I've switched my writing over to near media. So there I publish about once a week and I do more sort of in-depth research, uh, you know, more data-driven sort of approach to local that uh, hopefully has a little more gravitas as it were. (laughs) I don't swear. I don't swear as much as what that means. Yes, yeah, I love the rants on your on your blog. Anyone wants to see them, they're worth it. They're good reads. Um, so, just before we jump into this, one of the things I actually don't re- recall, and you actually just brought it up before we started recording, but what is it that you did before you got into the SEO realm and digital marketing? 
Uh, so we had a family business that I joined in 1980. Uh, prior to that, I was a mountaineering guide for National Outdoor Leadership School. Uh, and it was a family business that had uh, toys for big boys, but a camera business. And I started a computer business. Uh, we closed that in 2001, got our butts kicked by the early B&H photos and Amazon and right. uh, the Walmarts of the world. We really couldn't survive in that. But part of that, my whole upbringing as a child and, and part of my professional career in the computers was revolved around photography. So I, I have a deep love of photography and I combine that with locals, uh, which is what gets me to where I am today, which is exploring the impact of images in local, which I also love, which is helping small, you know, local businesses do better in the big wide world of the web. Yeah, well, it's certainly a never-ending job and it doesn't seem to stop, which is good. Good uh, job security there. So uh, tell us a little bit about your latest research and, and findings. I know it's a big question, but you've done some really interesting stuff lately uh, that we wanted to share. So I've always was enamored of photos in Google Local, and I came to the conclusion early on, 2014, 2015, that photos at Google were likely the most frequently seen images of your business in the world. Um, over the past several years, Google has integrated photographs into local search and to all search much more broadly. I mean, just as an example of what I uncovered in that research that you talked about was, if you looked at the local results in 2016, less than 2% were even graphic, let alone imagery. And by this last winter, when they changed them a little bit, up to 34, 35, 36% of all space on the page was allocated to images. And not only that, but when you do an intent-driven search at Google, like a local search, for example, for earrings in Williamsville, New York, Google will surface in local and in the rest of the organic results, earring images. And if you change that search, you might to say, engagement rings, Williamsville, you might see many of the same businesses, but if Google has the image in your Google My Business profile, Google Business profile, whatever they're calling it these days, they will switch it out to an engagement ring image. So Google is now uh, driving images. They're under, through their understanding of images, they're changing search results based on searcher intent, which to me is really interesting. Uh, and they're also introducing a whole range of new visual sort of units in search as well. And this is particularly true in local, but it's true in all, all of search. And so images are playing an ever-increasing role. And Google is understanding the content of images in an ever-increasing way. Yeah, and I, I was, I was uh, ages ago, I played with Google Lens, Google Vision API, um, even a bit. Um, for those that don't know what that is, uh, Google Lens is something you can download on, I believe it's also iPhone, but and Android. And you can look at something through your phone using Google Lens and it will like, it's, it's like it'll do a search based on the image you take. Uh, it sometimes works well, <laughs> not always, but sometimes, right. especially if you isolate what you're taking. Um, Google Vision API will allow you to test it essentially, but you can throw an image in there and it will analyze it and tell you what it's seeing. Um, but more in the term of, a very a very analytical way from what I could, that's how I would describe it, where it just has uh, elements of what it sees, like a hat, a chair, all these different things. And you can look at it in different perspectives. You can see, does it have any text? Does it have 
what kind of colors, all, all that kind of, it's really cool. Um, and in your analysis, you were saying that that's essentially what they're using for this type of technology, right? When they're, they're yes. figuring what should show. Right, so the basic uh, vision understanding of machine, that they're doing through machine learning came out of the photos in Google Plus, and it was released sort of as a standalone product in 2015. And around mm -hmm. that same time came Lens and the Google Vision API all released in that 2015 timeframe. And they have since then with Google Photos, they have billions and billions and billions of images with which to train this AI. And they've done a reasonably good job, but like all AI, it's still a little simplistic. But if you drop an image into this interface, which can tell you both the entities within the interface, at, within the image, as well as labels within the image, it can identify major geographic and uh, physical entities as well, but it will grade its understanding of the image. So if you really want an image of an engagement ring to show on Google, when, you, when your users search for Google, you have to have an image that Google understands as an, as an engagement ring. Uh, we were doing a sample test shoot through this company I'm consulting with, aircam.ai, where they, we went into a dentist's office and we shot with, I think it was the nurse actually in the chair, but, but we shot some simulated pictures of the dentist. And in one shot, he had his gloved hand sort of in front of the patient's face and the other shot he didn't. And that gloved hand was enough to confuse the AI so that Google thought that shot was about medical equipment and the other shot where the hand was retracted, it thought was about a dentist. So, so if you are looking to achieve maximal results, in Google local results and any Google results, you need to understand how Google sees an image. You know, historically, we've always said you have to write content for both your real users and for Google. And now it has become clear that Google understands enough about an image that you have to take an image for both, again, your real users and for Google so that they both appreciate and respond to that image equally well. And that's not just images uploaded to Google, like your local business profile. This is on your website and anywhere it could be online, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing like in mobile results, this started happening much earlier, but we're seeing thumbnails coming into the mobile results now, uh, which are also pulled in based on the searcher intent and match the searcher intent if Google can do that. So images on, on your website. And, that match what the page is about that it shows in search of oh, it's a page about engagement rings. You have images about engagement rings. Google may pull as many of those as three images of those in from that page into the mobile SERPs. And given the fact that this is increasing so rapidly, like I said, late 2016, 0% of the SERPs were, were imagery. And now it's as much as 30, 35%, 38%. You know, Google tests all these things very thoroughly. Obviously, users are responding to this. So you want to be giving Google what they want in terms of high quality images that relate to the pages they're on. I did an experiment, not an experiment, but some research two or three years ago where I looked at these thumbnails and literally 99% of them had no alt tags or meaningful file names. And yet Google was still able to classify them. And it became clear to me that they were classifying them by a combination of AI plus context, right? They 
You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply related to the Im the image related to the content of the page plus the image itself google was able to understand the content of the image and thus show it even though not one of these business sites had bothered to put in the basics right of an alt tag or a meaningful and a meaningful file name hmm. scott i think you had a question um, well, I was going to have, a, I had a comment, but now I'm kind of, we're past that. It was about the, the dentist photos that you showed actually. And, and I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> but you what, can always interrupt. I, I come from a Jewish family. Yeah. It was one big interruption. You would, you know, you'd, people would be stabbing the chicken on somebody else's plate and arguing what other people thought was arguing. It was just a discussion. You can interrupt me at any time. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> okay. I'll be sure to do that a lot more. Uh, okay. One thing I noticed, and I, I picked this up when I was reading your, your PDF that you sent over with the dentist photo, actually. And, and, you know, you said they you took the hand away from the, the patient's face and it recognized the dentist with a higher accuracy. But one thing I noticed there as well is dental assistant showed up, but yet in that second photo, the dental assistant was mostly blocked behind the dentist. You could be, barely see her. And it was like, it's weird how such subtle differences can actually have a, a more accurate effect, even though I don't see it as being more accurate necessarily, but it's true. It is, it was, didn't show up in the first one. And it, I don't, it's, it's really quite fascinating. I, how... I wondered when I saw that dental assistant as a possible answer, whether it confused the dentist as the dental assistant or whether it was seeing the dentist, <laughs> dental assistant in the background, I wasn't sure. I mean, one of the things about the logic of AI is we don't know what drives it, right? Yeah. It just looks at a bunch of pictures and makes its guess based on some internal structure. Um, so, but like I said, if you want Google to be, you want to be sure Google understands it, you've got to give Google an image that it clearly can understand and this cloud vision ai is a way to do that um so yeah it's really quite fascinating so what what do you think with all image alt text this is kind of we're kind of bouncing around here sorry but the image alt text you're saying you know google's doing a good job at, at figuring out what the image is about even if that alt text is not in place do you think the alt text still has a big role then do you think the level of importance there has diminished or is that still critical like it may have once been well, I think alt text is critical for uh, people who are less sighted. 
because and use uh, readers to understand. So it certainly has a user interface value. Yeah. Also, because when you're interacting with a web page, sometimes that label will pop up and can describe it. So I think from a user point of view, the alt text is no less important. I think Google realized they were never going to get very high compliance on alt tags. And they it's not that they ignore them. I just don't think that they rely on them. And thus, they've looked for other ways. I don't think that you're going to see much difference. I think great photos that are contextually and semantically related are going to do well, whether you add alt tags and meaningful file names or not. But it's easy enough to do those things. Yeah. And I think you should for the audience that needs them. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, obscure question, but I'm curious, did, did you notice any preference to image file type? No. No, I haven't really looked, but haven't. I mean, I think Google must. It what when you with local when you load this stuff up to Google, they strip most of the um, the meta information, all the meta information from the file, like all the ge geolocated mm. information, all the other stuff. So I assume they do something on the back end for their needs, and they probably convert it to whichever file format is fastest for them and local. I don't know in organic, you know, which if one is faster for them or not, but it's, yeah, I, I see think it so comes much, back to page speed, right? I see so much use as WebP and I was curious whether or not they would, they seem to be really on that bandwagon, whether or not they'd be changing that or focusing on it. Um, and I understand larger dimensions played a positive role. So the larger the photo, it typically did better. Um, it, yeah, two, there's a point of diminishing returns, obviously, in terms of page speed, load, load, load times, all the other stuff. But, uh, but obviously, that was the test that Joy Hawkins at Sterling Sky did with the organic search results and getting a page to show in that context. In, um, in the context of pure local, it, it, once it hits a certain size, which is about 1,000 by 600 pixels, you, you've you're, you're okay, you know, it doesn't need to be bigger. Google's gonna be able to size it for the, number, the various formats they have. I mean, one of the problems with Google is, and local is that there's so many different ways and places they show images. And one of the things the AI does is crops the images. You have to be really careful to have a sort of a center weighted image that looks good when cropped in the typical ways. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, image quality is also something that this AI can look at. And sometimes it makes a mistake and it thinks it's an obscene image instead of an image of mold on a wall, yeah. for example. I don't know what they thought was obscene about image on a, a mold on a wall, but I've seen this happen where uh, Google AI banned an image because it was obscene and it really was mold on a wall. I can't imagine what it thought it saw. <laughs> don't want to know. No, don't want to know. know. That's right. I'm sure they see everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear um, what you're saying. I hear what you're saying about having, you know, your image being sort of centered. You know, if you've got a face, you want to be there so you don't get cut off. Do you think that, like, I haven't actually seen this happen, but when they're cropping, the AIs are, okay, that's a face over here. So now we're going to crop it over here or, mm. you know, to the left or the right. Do you think they'll get to that point where they crop more intelligently? They, are, they have gotten to the point where they're cropping more yeah. intelligence. It has improved dramatically over the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. So cropping is obviously something they're working on as part of this. Um, and it has gotten better, but I think you're right. I think they will center because in traditional photography, there's this rule of the third, which right. is that the best image is one that's offset slightly to the third of the page. And 
I'm sure that they've implemented that because there's a lot of research that shows that Airbnb did some very interesting research that with professionally shot photographs that meet that standard and have good white balance and color balance, the click-through rates are significantly higher. And mm. I think that's true, not just in housing like Airbnb, I think it's true in every image across the web. So from a, you know, we have a lot of <clears throat> small business listeners. Uh, if they have a local business, how do you feel they should take advantage of this? Well, I think it depends on the size of the number of locations they have. Obviously, the problems change as you scale, but I've mm -hmm. looked at it from all, the, all these angles. And, and so one is, generally speaking, most businesses are best off hiring a professional, whether they're multi-location or single location, because a professional will get the job done, like I said, with good right balance, white balance, good color, uh, intensity and a good framing of an image and and it will happen right I mean all too often like in the agency world I know where I've said to clients get me some photos and it's on my list every month and I check in with them every month and it's yes 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 we will get you photos we haven't had time and so the first thing Always. is you gotta take, you've got to take yeah. right you've got to <laughs> take pictures now if you're not able to take pictures then you have to you know, outsource that. So that's issue one is get photos. Issue two is get good photos that meet these sort of standards for high click-throughs, good white balance, good color balance and proper framed. And then with every image you do, uh, I would take it several images for every category of business service or product that you sell, right? So if you're selling engagement rings and jewelry and necklaces, Etc. I would take multiple images of each, uh, and then I would test those against the AI. Now you can do low volume testing for single location by simply going to Google's cloud vision and dropping images in and see how Google understands them and using the ones that it understands better. Um, at scale, this is a problem. This is one of the reasons I started working with this aircam.ai company because they, one, have a photography network across the whole United States. Two, they have a real-time photographic capability. So they actually, the photographer in near real-time will, the images get sent to the cloud. So the centralized marketing department can see the images coming from a remote location, but the photographer is fed back in real-time whether the images, uh, attributes of the image are what Google wants to see. So the photographer can't stop sh shooting a type of image until they get a grade of an A or higher. So even at scale, this, you know, with the aircam.ai, this works very well. So test these images against the AI, use the ones that really work. And then we're seeing some indication that it's good to to periodically refresh your images at Google. So we're seeing some indication that dripping images out to Google is gonna give you an ongoing sort of little bump to your listing. We are seeing that listings that do images this way get increased conversions uh, of all sorts, both within the Google business profile as well as from their website. So we're seeing consistently across verticals. It's surprising to me. I did a test myself in a legal vertical. You'd think, who cares about the images in a legal vertical? <laughs> yeah. And yet, must be because Google exposed their listing more. They got significant. We're talking 
100% year over year increases of phone calls and web clicks for the locations that had the images updated versus those that didn't. So it was a pretty, and I've seen this, if I'd only seen it once, I'd say, well, maybe it's just the way we're testing this, but we've seen it consistently in dentists, insurance agents, restaurants, it doesn't seem to matter. We're seeing significant conversion increases, uh, activity, somewhere between 20 and 100%. And dripping seems to, to serve that. And then finally, I'd go into a reactive mode. I would monitor the images that users are uploading. If they're bad, I'd report them. If they're outdated, I report them. And if you can't sort of beat them in the user-generated world, I'd join them by creating places within your business where you make it particularly attractive to do a shoot so that you can sort of drive the quality up so that people are taking those kinds of shots that you want rather than the ones you don't want um, because UGC can throw a wrench in this whole thing. Have, so have what, you, sorry, I guess got to ask, what, what do you do in those businesses like an insurance company, like an SEO company, a programming company, someone who, you know, they don't really have something that you hand over. What do you do for photo shoots for that kind of stuff? Right. So uh, ex Google likes exteriors. So it's uh, particularly true for the, so they can complement driving directions. So exteriors, mm. parking lots, sort of physical user interface photos, staff photos do really well. Um, mm. Client and staff photos do well in those contexts. And in some cases, like in dentists and doctors, there's in office shoots yeah. and also facility shoots. So where in cases where you're expecting a certain level of hygiene, you can demonstrate that level of hygiene. I think people respond to those as well. So um, basically, we in, in the case of aircam.ai, we are doing keyword research prior to the vertical. We then are identifying keywords that are likely to be surfacing these listings in local, and then trying to shoot against these keywords. And when they get a match, they then the photographer then passes on. So it's a pretty sophisticated system. And does kind of a, it would be pretty, pretty particularly uh, obvious uh, SEO would ask this question, but if there's actually text in the image, <laughs> does that help? So Google does, I, I don't know if it helps or not. It's a great question. Google does understand text in an image. They are able to understand both logos and text. There is in most, in like in local and like in AdWords, I think there's a 10% surface area limit. So if yeah. there's too much text, the image will get rejected. Same thing happens in local. So I think you have to be a little cautious about that. I have done some experiments within that 10%. I haven't done experiments as to whether it changes outcomes. Because um, it'd be interesting if it said engagement ring. And it was actually an engagement because I wouldn't they know it's an engagement ring or versus a anniversary ring, right? They seem to have a pretty good idea yeah. I mean, <laughs> that it is an engagement ring. I mean, you, sh you should try some of these searches and see. Yeah, I will. Um, uh, they do a pretty good job identifying without text. I don't know. I can't, I mean, given they understand so much about an image, if an image is understood by Google as much as it can understand these things, I don't think you need to gild the lily as it were i think having a great image is enough you don't need to put the text in right oh come on you're um, talking to seos here <laughs> I, I get that but but what seo is doing image seo at this point no i, mean, I know let's yeah. let's walk before we 
before we stumble, <laughs> right? Let's let's take great pictures before we crap in our own bed here. I mean, oh, you know, you know they will though. <laughs> well, they the will try. The they for sure. They will try. But I think I think the fundamental issue here is great photographs yeah. that have been tested against Google's understanding of the photograph. That's if you're going to take anything away from this conversation, take that, right? Mm -hmm. When when save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are giving advice to clients and telling them put out so much content. You know, they always say, well, how much content is enough? And coming back to your dripping photos into Google there, do you, did you uncover any magical frequencies? Like, is it just more is better or is it, you know, a daily photo or a weekly photo monthly? How frequently are these clients when they ask me, how often should I do this? What should I tell them? Mike says, especially refreshing photos, I would think is another thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, we don't have hard numbers yet. Obviously, the understanding of this is evolving, uh, and we're trying to assess that. One issue is that it depends on the amount of user-generated content. Google likes freshness in photos, and in local, there's this issue where photos can come in from any Tom, Dick, Harry, or Jane that happens by your, by your business, and, and Google likes freshness. If there's a lot of user-generated content, it's difficult to get more than, say, five of your photos out of the top 10. Google ranks all your photos in local, shows the top 10 in some sort of ranked order. And if you have a lot of user generated content, it's difficult to get more than five. So in that situation, we have a lot of user generated content. I would say adding two to three photos a month to drive the user generated content sort of lower and off the that 10 is what, where you would go. In businesses that don't have a lot of user generated content, I would say once a quarter is probably enough, um, but we're still, I'm still determining like Google seems to bump, give some ex increase in exposure to businesses that regularly update that drip. And if that's the case, then I would hire a professional photographer, get a hundred photographs for the year and then drip to a month or three a month or four a month into your business and then bring that person, the photographer back and do it again. I mean, it just isn't that expensive. Yeah. And if it's increased, if your users are enjoying it and you're, you're getting continual increased conversions, I would stay at it. So I can't give you a straight number yet. I know you should do it more if there's more user generated content. I think that it does seem to be three, four a month seems to be enough that it gives you that lift. I don't know how long it's going to give you the lift or whether the lift is persistent. We're just seeing a lift. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, are you aware of any, I'm, I'm sure AirCam has a, this proprietary system, but are you aware of any mobile apps that can easily run the Google Visions API uh, on a picture on your phone? Other than AirCam, not yet. I mean, that's okay. what they've, that's what they've done. In fact, they're, they're next month, they're coming out with a low cost SaaS product that will be an app that, that will encourage you to take three images a month to do what we've talked about. And it will grade those. And when you got those done, it'll then encourage you to take three more based on your vertical. So they will be doing, they're releasing, 
it's in beta right now. So they'll be released. They are lucky now. they got you. That's a good idea. I just think that's, I'm sure they wouldn't have thought of that otherwise. <laughs> that's great. Well, they're, these, the people at aircam.a are pretty smart. They're the people that oh, developed yeah. test flight that was sold to Apple. Okay. Um, so they have a long history of sophisticated development. So, uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Cause I, I so love local. I so love photography. I think every business should be expanding and every SEO should be working in this area because it's relatively transactional to get good results, right? It's like, take good photos, upload them, put them on your website, use them in social. Okay people respond, you get more conversions. It's a very, you know, it's much less sort of amorphous than more content, right? It, yeah, right. Um, okay, cool. So I, when I was looking through the a PDF you sent us, um, image, what was it called? The, the title of it is Google and the visual future of local search. Mm -hmm. uh, really great PDF, thank you. Um, and it was a great walkthrough. On page 10, it said image-based product SERP units, local product images. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just saying that in case anyone gets the PDF and wants to go to it. You mentioned- So just a, a note, to get the PDF, we've now made it a, a free thing if you subscribe to our three time a week newsletter. So it's nearmedia.co forward slash subscribe. They get that PDF um, as part of that. They can always unsubscribe, but um, sure. I think that we do a sort of very strategic look at local in our newsletter. So, Trey, go ahead. All right. No, yeah, of course. That's great. So you mentioned that local e-commerce products can be scraped and added to the image list. Um, and this is when our uh, you know e-commerce products are showing in search. What would a business owner need to do to maximize their chances of being, you know, of, of a particular image being scraped? Well, in that case, what you want to do is tie your POS into Google's merchant uh, ah. center. And Many of these POS like Shopify and uh, the one for WordPress, Woo, Woo have yep. a APIs already built that will feed your inventory in real time into Merchant Center. And Google will then integrate those into both images and into local search. Something that has also happened is you are now seeing these e-commerce images integrated into the pack as well. And again, these require that the business be tied into Google through Merchant Center. They don't need to advertise necessarily through Merchant Center, but they do have to be providing real-time inventory, which is free. So that's the best way to maximize those either in the image, this new pack, this new image result unit that shows up or into the new capability in local pack. We've seen images increasingly show up in local pack as more and more businesses integrate their POS with Google. The other way to do it is with a product from Google called Pointy, which sits between a traditional POS and sort of reads the data as it's being um, measured as you're scanning it and then feeds it to the Google Cloud to the Merchant Center. Yeah, we talked about that before a few times in the show. I think it's one of the coolest little inventions. Right. It's brilliant. And that all those images will show up in the, the unit you're talking about as well as in the pack. For example, if you do a search on Nikon lens, New York City, you'll see images frequently brought into the pack from the likes of B&H Photo or Adorama, hmm. one of those. Probably getting into the weeds here, but do they randomly choose the product photo or is it usually the primary one? Have you noticed? Randomly in terms of where they order it, in terms of the display? Well, like if, if they were going to choose an engagement ring, but there was a whole bunch of different photos of that same engagement ring, do they usually mm. pick the primary? Is there any control you can help with that? 
I don't know that yet. Again, yeah. they rank they rank them in a general sense somehow. There is a ranking algorithm. So there's what's your top. Ten, they pick them from the top ten photos, uh, typically. Now, also in local, if you have enough categorical photos, they do make subcategories in your business profile where they'll have a number of photos for the engagement ring, a number of photos for the uh, earrings, a number of photos for the necklaces, et cetera. And they'll show them. So they will go deeper. And I assume there's some sort of feedback loop there that the ones people pick are the ones that Google then shows more in the top 10. So typically they need to be in the top 10. You get them in the top 10 by having them be understood by Google's AI and they draw them from there. If you have five engagement photos in the top 10, which one they pick, I don't know. Hmm. But they got to be in that top 10. Fascinating. So are there any other tips you want to leave uh, our listeners with on, on maximizing image SEO? I think that kind of like everything in marketing, the value of images goes beyond just the tactic of images. And you need to understand that in the competitive world of local SEO, customers, many customers are making a decision to purchase from you right from the front page of Google. I mean, what Rand Fishkin calls a zero click search result. In other words, they're not going to your website. I call a zero click opportunity for a business. And one of the ways to win that besides reviews is by having great photos. Every photo you put up is a great photo so that whatever photo Google picks, it looks good. So that you, when you're, when a, when a user is making this sort of decision and all this stuff is going on subliminally, if you've got a better photo and everybody else, you have 4.5 star reviews and everybody else does, it's gonna be the photo that makes a difference regardless of any ranking or visibility changes that go on. So I think photos have this intrinsic emotive capacity that you can't ignore no matter what. Now I'm going to have clients asking me how to make their widget photo look nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I well, have no idea. <laughs> I think every photo needs to be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, put. well, thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And I know our listeners are going to take a lot from this. I know I'm going to be talking to quite a few of our clients to uh, figure out how we can do a better job. I've got one example of a client who has a very busy store. They do floral arrangements, but they also sell fragrances. And mm. because of that, their photos, are, I mean, it's beautiful. You go inside, you just want to look. It's such a cool story. There's a knickknack everywhere. But you take a photo, oh my God, what are we looking at? There's just no right. way. So we're going to have a lot of work to do there to fix that up. Yes. Um, that would be, it would be interesting to see. I mean, what we find is simplifying photos uh, for the AI works a fair bit, you know, mm -hmm. it, uh, to sort of bring what you want to the fore and push what you want, not, you know, into the background. Um, so a lot of bokeh effect or blurring beyond the photo, beyond the main object kind of photography uh, works. To Actually, that might, yeah, maybe that would be the simplest way to do this without, ah, it's going to be interesting to test this for sure. Well, I'm looking well, forward me, to seeing Let me know. In fact, anybody, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter, I'm Blumenthal or uh, Blumenthal at nearmedia.co. I would love to hear from people as well well and i have an open email box i answer every incoming so feel free to reach out to me if you have questions about photos 
I would love to hear them I'll, or, I'll throw, or experiences. I'll throw some links up on our Facebook page as well on our group page to your, your social profiles and uh, a link on how they can subscribe and get that PDF and uh, that's great. Make it a bit easier for people. So if you're listening, just go to our Facebook group and you'll find all that stuff there. And our show notes newsletter for sure. Of course. That'll have it all as well. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, my company senior SEO, Scott Van Ack, and our special guest, Mike Blumenthal, co-founder of Near Media. Thank you for joining us today. Mike, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. As always, a real pleasure on my side too. Thank you very much for having me again. Thank you. If you have, uh, have a great week, remember, and remember to tune in to future episodes, which air twice a month on WMR.fm. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.